Welcome back to Emism, a philosophy podcast for students of philosophy, because that really is what we all are, seekers of knowledge. Happy Thursday, guys. It's time to philosophize. This week, I'm going to talk about Boyd's natural kind theory. I know philosophy of science is not usually what I talk about, but I spent almost a semester studying it with Dr. Sean Spencer here at Penn, and he's kind of a genius. So <laughs> I'd like to share with you what I've been learning and um, about the subject of the paper that I've most re- recently written. Um, I'm pretty proud of it. So I haven't gotten the grade back yet, but you know, I did my best. So I hope it's good. Um, My paper was a defense of how Boyd's natural kind theory solves Goodman's new riddle of induction. Like, what what does that even mean? Um, Well, a lot of philosophy of science intertwines, so I'm going to kind of tackle it all together. Um, But it'll, it'll be pretty clear. Also, a little note in advance, I'm not any scientist by any means. I haven't really studied science since high school, so when discussing these theories and, you know, the philosophy of science, I have to refer to examples either given by Dr. Richard Boyd himself or developed by Dr. Spencer during class. So, yeah, let's get into it. First, here's the gist of how the podcast is going to go. First, I'll tell you guys in, I'll let you guys in on uh, what Goodman's new riddle of induction is, because, you know, how else would we know if Boyd's natural kind theory solves it? Then I will explain what Boyd's natural kind theory is and really what natural kinds are generally, and then I'll consider an objection or reply to Boyd's theory. Goodman's new rule of induction was born as a result of Goodman's response to David Hume's old problem of induction. Oh, David Hume. <laughs> Hume, his problem was concerning how individuals should justify their inductive rules. This is the basic problem of science. Science is all built off of a foundation of induction. Hume is concerned with how we should justify the foundation of science so that we can take inductions from the foundation to be true. Goodman's response to Hume is in introducing reflective equilibrium. Some of you who may be more, um, you know, I guess well-read with Rawls may know what reflective equilibrium is, but, um, you know, Goodman was the first one. Allegedly, that's what Dr. Spencer told me. Um, but reflective equilibrium essentially holds that inductions are justified if they come from inductive rules that we establish, and the inductive rules are justified if they give the discipline and the inductions they want. Regardless of the solution to the old problem of induction, Goodman addresses a further underlying challenge. Even if thinkers hold their inductive rules as fixed, how can they justify making one induction rather than another, given that they classify objects differently in the evidence they induct from? To argue for this riddle, Goodman introduces a case where observations can be classified subjectively due to an absence of inductive rules. This is called the Grew problem, and it's pretty well known in philosophy. Generally, Goodman determines that the evidence that confirms induction X can be the same evidence that confirms induction Y, in absence of a justification for the evidence's classification. So, how does Goodman argue for this? Through an example, the Grew example. Goodman's Grew example suggests that if an observer is examining emeralds before a specific time and all emeralds are green, then from standard inductive rules, all emeralds are green. Alternatively, instead of green applying to all emeralds observed before that particular time, the color or rather the designation Grew applies. So as per standard inductive reasoning, all emeralds are Grew. How does this make sense? (laughs) You know, it's from the same evidence, two different inductions were established 
because of two different classifications. So it all comes back to the classification. Goodman's reason for introducing his new riddle of induction in this way is to show that there is no justification for the observer choosing green or gru, and that both classifications lead to different inductions. Because the classifications that these inductions were made upon are unjustified, the inductions are then unjustified as well. The new riddle of induction poses a great challenge to scientists because it's basically saying, hey scientists, your inductions, they detrimentally depend on the classifications you give for this evidence. And you have no justification for your classification. So like, huh? How do you justify this, man? The basis on which scientists rely to justify their classifications rests the ability to make justifiable inductions. In pursuit of the answer to Goodman's new riddle, philosophers have to develop a theory that enables individuals to have the power to justify their classifications using induction, so, consequently, the induction is justified itself. This mode of justification minimizes the potential for incompatible inductions. Boyd, in an attempt to solve Goodman's new riddle, offers a way to make objective inductions based on natural kinds. I'll reconstruct his argument for the sake of simplicity and, you know, clarity here. Premise one. If Boyd's natural kind theory offers a way for disciplinary matrices to distinguish law-like and non-law-like generalization, then Boyd's natural kind theory solves Goodman's new riddle of induction. Premise two. Boyd's natural kind theory indeed offers a way for disciplinary matrices to distinguish law-like and non-law-like generalizations. Law-like is, uh, by the way, you know, law-like is, uh, Capable of confirmation. That's what Wallach means. Uh, so the conclusion is, Boyd's natural kind theory solves Goodman's new riddle of induction. Pretty simple, right? Nice little modus ponens for you. But Boyd's natural kind theory indeed offers a way for distinguishing different types of kinds so to make a sure induction that follows from the nature of the kind. Boyd strengthens premise one with the rest of his paper, specifying the conditions of which something is considered a natural kind within the bounds of his theory. In a further effort to simplify the general, like, propositions of this argument, this is it reconstructed. Um, Boyd's natural kind theory, or, yeah, prem premise three. This is going to be premise three, starting three through conclusion, but then going to be five. Yeah, okay. Boyd's natural kind theory provides a system of establishing properties for distinguishing non-projectable and projectable structures if the epistemic access condition is satisfied and the accommodation condition is met. The premise four the epistemic access condition is satisfied. Premise five, the accommodation condition is met. So we conclude, Boyd's natural kind theory provides a system of evaluating properties for distinguishing non-projectable and projectable structures. Boyd establishes two conditions that create the foundation for the eventual justification of both the classification and the induction. By evaluating certain criteria for the classification through the application of the epistemic access condition and the accommodation condition, justification can be reached. The two conditions satisfy the needs of a Boydian natural kind. In defense of premise two, um, you know, the long one, um, one must support the validity of both premises four and five, the epistemic access and the accommodation condition. Premise two is the way in which Boyd's theory solves Goodman's riddle of induction, you know, how it distinguishes from law-like and non-law-like generalizations, and premises four and five are the two necessary conditions to be able to state premise two validly, and so giving an answer to Goodman's new rule of induction. The defense of premise four requires a definition of the epistemic access condition and a justification for why it is a necessary property of the kind. The epistemic access condition requires that the kind be causally connected to an objective structure of the world. 
Objective causal structures are connected to the inductive practices of a certain given disciplinary matrix such that the members and practices turn out approximately true propositions. Objective causal structures also exist independently of human practice, or at least independently of the disciplinary matrix. This is why the epistemic axis condition is one piece of justifying a classification according, according to Bordian theory. The defense of five, you know, the accommodation condition, requires the definition of the accommodation condition and a justification for why it is a necessary property of the kind so that Boydian natural kind theory solves Goodman's new riddle of induction. You know, it's a further justification. Accommodation, for Boyd, occurs between kinds in a specific disciplinary matrix and an objective causal structure. The accommodation condition requires that the use of the kind contributes to the tendency of the matrix participants to derive inductive and explanatory successes. Approximately true, causally sustained inductions and correct explanations establish inductive and explanatory successes for this, you know, Boydian natural kind. The accommodation condition establishes that the epistemic axis condition is satisfied and that the proposed kind is a good fit for the disciplinary matrix. The latter half of that sentence is essentially what the accommodation condition is. For Boyd, accommodation comes in degrees, so how well the kind fits is determined by the aims of dis the disciplinary matrix. Um, so you can really choose the matrix after you, I guess, classify the kind, but usually you're in a matrix and you classify a kind based on the tendencies and the aims of your disciplinary matrix. This accommodation you know, justifies why the kind is determined within a certain discipline. This also suggests that certain dif disciplinary matrices have different natural kinds. Um, the accommodation condition is also the reason for that distinction. Um, one example of this would be baraminology and um, phylogenetic trees. Um, they have different natural kinds, which is, I guess, an evolutionary graph the tree of life, or, you know, I, I guess species membership, perhaps. But they're talking about the same thing, but they have completely different natural kinds. There's different disciplinary matrices talking about the same idea, classifying them different ways, and getting different inductions. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the accommodation condition is the reason, reason for this distinction. To solidify the defense for both the epistemic axis condition and the accommodation condition, premises four and five, I'll talk about an example of avoiding a natural kind and explain why inductions are, that are made from the justified base of the natural kind are certainly justifiable. Acids are avoiding a natural kind. In order to satisfy the properties of avoiding a natural kind, it must meet the epistemic axis condition and the accommodation criteria. In terms of epistemic axis, Acids do indeed have an explanatory definition. To specify, acids have a pH greater than 7 and are H plus increasers. The explanatory definitions like this are important to justify the application within a disciplinary matrix. So it must be established that acids are indeed connected to a, some objective causal structure in the world that makes their existence non-accidental. The objective causal structure for acids that I will consider, you know, in this short example, is the unique electron behavior between molecules. To finalize the epistemic access criteria, one must pick a disciplinary matrix if you're not already in one and classifying the natural kind from it. 
So pharmacology will be the appropriate disciplinary matrix for this example. Uh, once determining that acids fit the epistemic access condition and the accommodation condition, um, follows and questions what makes the natural kind of an acid a good fit for pharmacology as a disciplinary matrix. For pharmacology, the pH and H plus increasers are two important properties of the kind that are crucial for determining approximately true and causally sustained inductions. These are two also like further criteria for avoiding a natural kind. Establishing acids as a natural kind with its particular explanatory definition gives pharmacologists a certain level of approximately true explanatory and inductive successes. This is good. Um, you know, it leads us into a space where we can not only justify the classification, but also justify the inductions that come from it. Most importantly, there's a causally sustained tendency of acids to make inductions about medicine within the discipline of pharmacology. Acids, acids then must be a Bordian natural kind. Establishing acids as a natural kind creates that justified base that I was talking about from which, uh, you know, later inductions can be justified. Now, this seems like a pretty good theory, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, Boyd's a PhD from MIT, of course, <laughs> but Boyd had his fair share of critics. Um, you know, there's an, a rival natural kind called Slater's natural kind theory, and it's a little bit different. It's like Boyd's, but he makes it a little bit more expansive, but that's for another day. Um, critics of Boyd's natural kind theory, though, they argue that the theory has a poor scope of application. They suggest that some disciplinary matrices are incapable of having Boydian natural kinds. These disciplinary matrices rely on certain real causal structures, but they're just not objective. Um, this is an objection to premise two, and it is reconstructed as follows. So, as starting with premise six, if Boyd's natural kind theory offers a way for key all disciplinary matrices to distinguish law-like and non-law-like generalizations, then all disciplinary matrices have objective causal structures to make inductions. Premise seven, not all, you know, disciplinary matrices have objective causal structures to make inductions. Conclusion, Boyd's natural kind theory does not offer a way for all disciplinary matrices to distinguish law-like and non-law-like generalizations. I hope you guys heard the emphasis on all. <laughs> but the strongest premise of this objection is premise seven. Not all disciplinary matrices have objective causal structures. This is a true statement. <laughs> the, the absence of an objective causal structure results in the inability for certain disciplinary matrices to have Boydian natural kinds. If this is the case, then how can these disciplines justify their inductions, or can they not? According to Boyd, Boyd's natural kind theory. Um, for example, economics. Economics is one discipline that seems incapable of having Boydian natural kinds because of the non-objective status of the causal structures its kinds depends on. Um, economics uses natural kinds, or I guess just kinds, like recession. Recessions are generally a prolonged decline of economic activity. We all pretty much know that. Therefore, a recession depends on the causal structure of economic activity within a nation. Economic activity, at least in the U.S. economy, is regulated by economists in the Federal Reserve. As it follows, economists seem to be part of the causal structure that their natural kinds depend on. You know, those in the discipline, 
disciplinary matrix of economics. Boyd's natural kind theory demands that the causal structure be independent of its disciplinary matrix. However, if economists are taken out of the Federal Reserve, the causal structure is not the same. So can this be considered a Boydian natural kind? No. According to Boydian natural kind criteria, recession then is not a natural kind. As suggested by this example with economics, Boyd's natural kind theory may have too small a scope to truly serve as a solution to Goodman's new hurdle of induction. Like, if you only solve half the problem, did you really solve the whole problem? I don't know. But, you know, let's give this its fair share. Let's evaluate it. Critics argue that a successful response to new riddle would suggest an answer with a scope far greater than what Boyd's theory would imply. They argue that Boyd's account does not explain many natural kinds and only resolves the riddle for a particular subset. With this criticism with this criticism in mind, the example of economics poses a serious scope problem to Boyd's theory. But I argue that this criticism does not apply to Boyd's theory's success. Well, how can that be? A response of a Boydian natural kind theorist and I would be to deflect this criticism. I would say that, or I am saying, that the critics' interpretations of Boyd's natural kind theory are simply just not relevant to its applied use and implications. The objectivism of causal structures is purposeful and exists to make clear, universal distinctions of natural kindness. Disciplines need objectivism for identifying causal structures because disciplines need natural kinds for inducting approximately true predictions. It is the reason for distinctions. For certain natural kinds, there are calls for differences in definitions which speak to the nature of relativity in Boydian natural kinds. Specifically, to recognize the problem that economics poses, recession is simply not a Boydian natural kind. Proponents may indeed argue that economics poses a threat to Boydian natural kind theory, but they believe that under a misunderstanding of the foundation of Boyd's theory. They draw invalid inferences from a misunderstanding of premise two, which is that Boyd's natural kind theory offers a way for disciplinary matrices to distinguish law-like and non-law-like generalizations. I think I should also address that Boyd has responded to similar claims when he proposed homeostatic property clusters, um, HPCs. He introduced HPCs as a way to accommodate the fact that a natural kind status does not depend wholly on its ability to be independent without its causal structure or on demonstration of its essential properties. Moreover, a natural kind status is dependent on whether it supports inductive generalization. Perhaps under this revised framework, a recession could be considered a type of kind. HPC natural kind theory, though, is not a theory about all natural kind phenomena, and Boyd kind of makes this clear. However, in looking at Boyd's original theory, I still deflect the criticism offered by these particular critics. I do not believe that this is a relevant criticism of Boyd's natural kind theory, because if some kind is not a kind by the constraints of Boyd's theory, then it's simply not a Boydian natural kind. Thus, the classification of that kind is unjustified, and the subsequent inductions from that kind are unjustified as well. Objectivism exists for a reason. So, yeah. I guess I'll wrap up this podcast today, since we're just about hitting 20 minutes, um, but with just one little summarization. Goodman's new riddle of induction poses a challenge for scientists and their inductive roots of practicing science. It poses a question of classification and links classifications to the inductions that follow them. 
Goodman holds that the justification of the classification is kind of crucial to the justification um, of an induction. In an attempt to resolve Goodman's new riddle of induction, Boyd successfully develops natural kind theory. He holds that a Boydian natural kind is one that satisfies both the epistemic access condition and the accommodation condition. Because Boyd's natural kind theory offers an objective way to classify kinds and therefore to justify induction from those kinds, it is a successful theory. Yet, critics argue that its scope is too small to solve Goodman's riddle. These critics are mistaken, though, about the role of Boydian natural kind classification and their criticism must be deflected. I hope you all are now convinced that Boyd's natural kind theory does indeed solve Goodman's neurodome induction. All right, um, that's all I have for today's Emism podcast. I hope you all enjoyed, and we'll be back next for, next time for a new exploration. I also hope you enjoy the sound quality on this because I just got a microphone. But um, until next time, which is our 50th episode, keep searching for the truth.